Listening to the Palmetto Report, I'm Joseph Casco alongside our producer, Taylor Mitchell, and we're speaking with Dr. John Holder, professor of political science at Winthrop. He's teaching a class on the presidency this semester, and so we're talking about South Carolina politics. A lot of news yes. related to South Carolina politics recently. Certainly, Mark Sanford announced he plans to challenge President Trump. We have a lot of candidates coming through um, here, especially on the Winthrop campus. Um, first of all, What's your reaction to Mark Sanford announcing that he plans to challenge Donald Trump in the primary? Well, it's very interesting that there is a certain anti-Trump vote within the Republican Party because President Trump tends to be overwhelmingly popular with a certain segment of Republican voters. But there are people like Sanford, like former Massachusetts Governor William Weld, who don't like him. And there there have been you know expressions of opposition to him like, George W. Bush leaving his ballot blank in the, in the last election. So there's some anti-Trump sentiment within the Republican Party, but nobody's really done anything about it. Now, here you have Governor Sanford, who has been involved in controversies of his own, um, who was recently defeated for re-election to the House of Representatives, deciding to run for president. Now, the, the big issue that this brings up is that because... President Trump was expected to be unopposed for the Republican nomination, a number of states announced that they aren't going to hold primaries. South Carolina usually holds a very early Republican primary, which is one of the most important events in the Republican nominating calendar. They decided not to do that this year, and now there's a lawsuit filed by former Congressman Bob Inglis seeking to require them to hold a primary apparently just so people can register, Republican voters in South Carolina can register their opposition to Trump if to see how much there is. So that's going to be an interesting situation. Do you think that he has a chance, any kind of name recognition? Um, I don't think he's going to beat President Trump for the Republican nomination. I un, Unfortunately for him, I think a lot of his name recognition is negative. Um, you know, the... the the incident in 2009 where he disappeared, people thought he was on the, his staff thought he was hiking the Appalachian Trail, and he was actually in Argentina with his mistress, which was, as I understand it, um, a reporter for the state newspaper in Columbia got a tip, went to the Atlanta airport, was standing in the, in the lounge as the passengers are getting off the flight from Buenos Aires, and walks up to Sanford getting off the plane and says, Governor, why are you getting off a plane from Buenos Aires? And, th- and then the jig was up. Mm-hmm. So uh, Sanford is a very controversial person. There are other Republicans out there like Bill Weld, who was the governor of Ma- Republican governor of Massachusetts in the early 90s, was four years ago the libertarian candidate for vice president. So he has a long track record of being opposed to Trump. Um, I don't think there's that much anti-Trump sentiment in the Republican Party to seriously threaten his nomination. Of course, you know, this depends on where the impeachment process is six six months from now. Maybe he won't be a viable presidential candidate. Trump won't be. But that's very hypothetical. What would interest me is this lawsuit seeking to compel the Republican Party to hold primaries. I think it's a matter of state law rather than federal law, but it will be interesting to see where that goes or if anything comes of it. Mm-hmm. Well, and if there are a number of states that don't have primaries, Republican primaries, that certainly becomes a huge obstacle to having any kind of shot yeah. in the primary. Because you've got to get votes, you've got to get delegates and so forth, and 
if they've basically just decided to renominate him unanimously, it's not going to happen. Now, th- this is not unprecedented. There were other candidates besides Barack Obama for the Democratic nomination in 2012. There were other candidates besides George W. Bush for the Republican nomination in 2004, Reagan in 1984. But the party pretty much controls the process, so they can, they can set the rules. What do you think Sanford's motivation is for wanting to challenge Trump? I think he's legitimately concerned about the issues that he's raised. Now, maybe he wants to stay active in politics. Um, although if I've, you know, left, left office as governor under a cloud and been defeated for the United States House of Representatives, I'm probably not going to think that running for president is my next logical career move, but we'll see. Will any other Republicans challenge Trump? It's entirely possible. Besides Sanford and Weld, there, there have been a couple other people who've made noise about it, but I don't think anybody's actually declared yet. What might happen with with Mike Pence, if if something were to happen with impeachment, would there be enough time for him to mount a campaign? That is a fascinating question because we we you know no president's ever been removed by the impeachment process and no president's ever been removed during an election year, so um, it's never happened this close to an election that the vice president becomes president. Is he going to have to go through the process of winning the Republican nomination on his own? Is he going to be a popular enough candidate? That's a that's a big hypothetical that that's going to depend on how the impeachment comes out. So, of course, South Carolina is the first in the South primary. It has yes, a lot to are. say about what happens nationally. Um, the primary is February 29th, and we've already seen a number of these Democratic hopefuls yes. coming through. South Carolina, Rock Hill, even the Winthrop campus. Mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders was here a little while yes. ago. Elizabeth Warren was in Rock Hill, but not on campus. Um, what do you think it's going to look like in South Carolina as we get closer to the end of February? Um, well, nationally, I think the 20-some candidate Democratic field is going to narrow. Um, not everybody's going to be able to raise enough money to get Um, to stay in the race, to run the advertising and the things they need to do. Iowa and New Hampshire go before us, and the people who get 1% and 2% in Iowa and New Hampshire probably aren't going to stay in the race. So there will not be 20 candidates running by the time it gets to South Carolina, even though we are the fourth state in the process. So we're after Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada. So we're very early, and we've seen a lot of these people, but not all of them are going to be active candidates by February 29th. You're listening to the Palmetto Report, and we're speaking with Dr. John Holder, adjunct professor of political science at Winthrop, about the political climate here in South Carolina. The latest Winthrop poll came out last week. It showed Joe Biden in the lead at 37 percent. Elizabeth Warren was second at 17. At eight was Bernie Sanders, 8 percent, and then Kamala Harris fourth at 7 percent. All the other candidates were under 5 percent, with uh, South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg uh, fifth with 4 percent. You're reaction to those numbers? I'm not at all surprised that Vice President Biden is so strong here. He has long-standing relationships in the state. He has long-standing relationships with many of the traditional power brokers in the state Democratic Party. He has very high name recognition and affection in the African-American community. A majority, a large majority of the voters in the, in the Democratic presidential primary in South Carolina are going to be African-American voters. It's even possible that a majority of the votes will be cast by black women. So that's an important constituency. 
Biden has longstanding relationships with the black community. He was Barack Obama's vice president, and that still means a lot to a lot of people. So I'm not at all surprised that he's continuing to be in first place. Senator Warren has been coming on very strong nationally. She drew a great crowd at Clinton College when she was here. Um, I'm not surprised that, I'm, well, I'm, I'm not surprised that she's doing that well um, because she's been running a great campaign. Bernie Sanders never has seemed to gain much traction in South Carolina. He just, he didn't do well last time. Um, he's got a very active, committed campaign organization here this time, but he doesn't seem to be getting that much, tra getting that much traction. Senator Harris was here at Winthrop in the spring. Um, she gave a very well-received speech. She's got, she seems to have a pretty active campaign apparatus around the state. And Buttigieg, um, Buttigieg seems to have a very active, committed volunteer base. He's got a very well-organized campaign, from what I can tell, and I think that's what's keeping him in the race. Now, that, those are your top five. Um, I'm starting to think there's a point at which maybe everybody else is going to want to think about going home. Um, because, you know, as I said, it, there aren't going to be 20 people on the ballot in South Carolina in February. The, the people we just mentioned are probably still going to be in it, all of them. After what happened in 2016, uh, can we still trust polls? Can we still rely on them? The polls, if I remember correctly, correctly predicted the popular vote in 46 out of 50 states. So the, the polls correctly predicted that Hillary Clinton was going to win the national popular vote. They correctly predicted the winners in 46 out of the 50 states. But what happened to surprise everybody was all four of the states where they got it wrong were states where Obama won, Clinton was leading, but then it turned out Trump won. Because the election was decided by about 78,000 voters in some combination of Pennsylvania, Ohio, Wisconsin, and Michigan, all of which were Obama states which flipped to Trump. So with the exception of those four states, the, the, the polls were right. But that's kind of other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how did you like the play? <laughs> So I want to ask you about the special election that happened last month up in North Carolina's yes. 9th District um, with Dan Bishop narrowly defeating Dan McCready. Thank goodness I don't have to watch those campaign ads oh, anymore. Yeah. Um, but what's your reaction to what happened there? It's a Republican district. North Carolina, although they've gone through repeated court-ordered redistrictings because of various gerrymandering allegations, uh, that particular district is still drawn to elect a Republican. I'm, I'm not surprised that Bishop won. I'm surprised that he didn't do better um, because the way that particular area of the state is drawn, the 9th district is the Republican side of Charlotte. The rest of Mecklenburg County is in the 12th district, which is about 65%, 70% Democratic. So the Democrats in Charlotte don't live in the, in the 9th district. They live in the 12th. So you've got the Republican area of Charlotte connected to the Republican suburbs, and then further east on the way towards Fayetteville, heavily Republican areas. So Bishop actually should have done a lot better than he did. But, and that's what surprises me. So a lot of people thought that maybe that race was kind of a predictor or yeah. a bellwether for what might happen in 2020. How do you feel about that? Um, if the Republican candidate does worse than expected in a heavily Republican area, that could have significant... Um, predictive power for the next election because 
North Carolina is one of the closest states in the country in, in terms of the statewide margin. So if the Republican just barely squeaks out a victory in a heavily Republican district, maybe that means the Democratic nominee has a good shot at carrying North Carolina in the general election. Uh, Dr. Casco mentioned the campaign ads earlier. The race is pretty negative. It had a lot of negative campaign ads. Um, people are saying that they hate negative ads, but they work. They work. If they didn't work, they wouldn't do them. When you run for office, the first thing you want to do is get people to vote for you. If they're not going to vote for you, the second best thing you can do is get them to not show up to vote for your opponent. So the, the McGreedy ads and the Dan Bishop as an extremist ad, you know, these are not necessarily... When, when Dan Bishop runs an ad with little Russian clown dolls of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez right. and, other, and Bernie Sanders and other Democrats, he's, he's trying to get people to vote for him, but more importantly, to not vote for McCready. So, you know, if people don't show up, you, you don't really care what turnout is as, as much as you care about whether you win. So the ads work. Dr. Holder, thank you so much for joining You're us. You're welcome. That was Dr. John Holder, adjunct professor of political science here at Winthrop, talking about politics in the Carolinas. You're listening to the Palmetto Report.